Surf publishing was a non-stop growth industry throughout the 1980s. With increased ad revenue, new titles, bigger issues, more color, the trend was worldwide, but most obvious in America. By 1988, U.S. magazines, Surfer and Surfing, were producing copies at Vogue-like 200-plus pages, more than double the size of their nearest rival. The cult of surf photographer grew as well. A tradition going back 20 years to Ron Stoner's short but brilliant surf career. Even with all the new jumbo-sized magazines, only two dozen or so surf photographers worldwide were pulling down a middle-class or better wage. But money wasn't really the point. It was the travel, flexible schedule, and the endless hours of beach time. It was also the only glamour job in the sport, apart from being a pro surfer. Photographers Aaron Chang, Warren Balster, and Don King were regularly featured in profiles with the same heft and detail as those given to Tom Curran, Tom Carroll, and Mark Akalupa. From the Encyclopedia of Surfing, I'm Tyler Brewer in Brooklyn. And I'm Jamie Brewer in London. This is the Sunday Joint, where we roll up Matt Warshaw's weekly newsletter for a deep inhale of surfing's past, present, and future. On this episode of the Sunday Joint, we pull from the EOS's History of Surfing section on the cult of the surf photographer. If you're old enough to have had a subscription to a surf mag, you know their names in the bottom corner in small print. Photo, Gilly. King, Rambo, Bosco, Jolly, Divine, Brewer, Flame, and on and on. This cast of characters provide an essential element to the whole surf culture. We dedicate this episode to the surf photographer and the personalities that make up this great tradition. And don't forget, another round of surf nerdiness with Stump My Bro. The Sunday Joint is an EOS-adjacent surf podcast and is distributed by the Surf Splendor Network of Podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Sunday Well, we are, uh, we're joined by the legend himself, the man, the myth, our idol, Mr. Matt Warshaw. Welcome to the Sunday Joint again, sir. How are you? Good. Hi, guys. Hey, hey, hey um, is it Jolly or Jolie when you did that that list? I think it's jo- I was thinking the same thing. It's <laughs> Jolie Jolly. I like uh, Jolly, but you it guys could know, be Jolie. You know who it is, right? right? Yeah. I think it's Peter, Peter Simons Wilson. or, or Peter Simmons. Wilson. I thought it was Simmons. Sorry, I thought it was Wilson for some Or reason. is it Simons? Simons. Okay. <laughs> it's- you say oh, jolly, jolly, I say jolly. jolly. Wait, so so hang on a second. Hang on, this is news <laughs> to me. And that would have been such a great stump. Are you saying that Jolie is like the, his num de plom? Yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah. Did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> I think it's, the top I think I think it it's Jolie. No, no, the num de plom thing. I've never said that out loud in my life. <laughs> I think you said it right. I don't know. Oh my god! I'm well, sorry, then, I don't speak French. It's another. Who's the other Aussie yeah. guy? Uh, well, Chan, uh, Hugh McLeod. Antinian, Antinian, or how do you say? Ation or something. Ation. There's a whole 
list of surf photographer last names, I have no clue on pronunciation. Well, no, but the, Savan, they're talking Savan about Kazanov or whatever. Like, no, but Tyler, the thing is, is the nickname, the the nom de plume. So Jolie is, is yeah, Wilson or Simon. But why uh, is? I always wanted to know why Hugh McLeod went by Etienne or however you say. It. Do do you know? Yeah, that? I don't know. Jeff Devine told me once, and I don't know. But let me think. Who else? Who else goes by a single name? Um, a single nickname like Flame. Flame did. Um, oh, um, Wolf, uh, Strange Wolf. Oh, oh, the got young. Laser Wolf. Laser Wolf. Right. Hank just goes by Hank. 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 And then uh, um, Madonna goes by Madonna. Um, uh, uh, sorry. That kind of gets to what we're talking Sarge. about, though, right? Because yeah, that kind of <laughs> gets to what you're what we're going to talk about, which is like, you know, you didn't have guys working in the laminating factory giving themselves uh single name things to be known by you know like the the photographers were the maybe they still are the um they you know they were the would be sort you know, of rock stars along with the well, surfers well let's 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 set up this era here because yeah. the 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 cult the cult of the surf photographer era um and and I could be wrong on this, but to me, in my eyes, really spans from late 70s, maybe 76, 75, 76, on to about 2000, I would say. It's an arc. Uh, it's an arc. It's an arc because it, it starts off low. And as the magazines increase over time, the photographers kind of gain, so, gain a bit more, no? So here's what I think. Um, you're... I think you're right on the termination date of it, but I would say that the the beginning of it goes to the mid '60s, and with Ron Stoner. And the reason why Stoner gets to be the first is partly because he was so good, but also because uh, that's when the magazine started running a lot of color. So mm. you had to have the color. I, it would it was kind of a, would have been a hard thing to become a a. Um, you know, a rock star photographer just in black and white, I guess it would have been possible, but Stoner's arrival in, I guess, 65 or six um, do dovetails and what I think was made possible by the fact that the magazines were, had just bumped up the color, mm. amount of color pages a lot. And then on the end, you're talking about Tyler, where it goes away, that's when digital takes over and kind of just wipes everybody out. Everybody can be, a, right? So yeah i and would just say is, the height is like the 80s i would say right like kind of mid late 80s to into the 90s maybe that's yeah, so funny i wonder if everyone just thinks the height of everything is when they were the most paying the most attention right because i would say <laughs> so there was an i remember an article um i love that a big <laughs> surfer feature it was a big surfer magazine feature where it was uh steve wilkings and jeff divine a, a surf rap and it was those mm. those two guys and it was a big you know 16 page thing of these two photographers um like you know it was like the jagger richards of 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 surf photography and that would have been in maybe 74 so i don't mm. know if you can go much higher than that um, well, I, I i guess like in terms of maybe uh earning a living uh, the status of them, the, you know, like, I think, you know, you didn't have as, I imagine the, and then I could be wrong about this, but I imagine the 80s and 90s, 
the industry provided so that there could be more surf photographers that were full-time year-round as opposed to a hobbyist kind of Definitely. thing. It became a career, a proper career and something that kids could actually kind of angle towards while growing up in like the eighties, you were like, Oh, I want to be a surf photographer. Whereas before that it wasn't right. part of people's kind of consciousness. It, it, it became more of a career choice. Absolutely. In the eighties and nineties, like you're talking about, but as far as being, um, as far as um, like platinum level of surf celebrity, it yeah. was pretty high starting um, even with Stoner, who would get portfolios of his work. And, you know, for the very top strata in the surf world, and forget money, but just as far as yeah. being a guy that um, that surfers would recognize and say, oh, my God, he's a legend. Started with Stoner, and then it kind of stayed stayed the same. Now, do you think, like, retrospectively, like Leroy Granis like nowadays he's he's elevated to like uh, you know really high level status and like i always wondered if he was a bit like uh you know like rediscovering you know like muddy waters howling wolf and all that you know like now he's big but maybe in his time wasn't well leroy leroy never presented himself as anything more than sort of a a really good ho hobbyist because you know leroy's whole story i think that he he was getting ulcers or something. He was a switchboard mechanic or something. He had some really kind of mundane uh, um, sort of engineering job or something and was stressed out and wasn't getting to the beach enough or something. And and his doctor said, you need a hobby. And, and he picked up a camera and started taking surf pictures. I think I could have that a little bit wrong, but you know, Leroy, um, if you go back and look at those books, I'm, I'm totally agreeing with you, yeah. Jamie. Like, I do feel like Leroy's kind of gotten the benefit of going back and 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 everyone, you know, re-examining his work. And really what he did, he just sort of set up on the beach and was went, you know, he he was just sort of, he had a good eye. He, he had good timing because, you know, back then you're, it was all about having to sort of follow, you had to focus. And, you know, that, it was yeah. a difficulty to it that he was good. At, he was sort of technically good in that sense, but... He wasn't doing anything especially interesting in terms of capturing the the the, the, the atmosphere, the yeah. scene, and everything. So you know, I've I've and I love Leroy Granis, and he was he was always really uh, a pleasure to talk with and what generous, a sweet sweet person. By well, the way. he wasn't. No, he like, wasn't sweet. He was a gruff no. old guy. Yeah, no, really? he was. He was had this oh. gravelly, gruff voice, and. Um, I had like the most sweet interaction with him when I worked at Blue Magazine and like he sent us like books and everything with he, nice cards, like very thoughtful. Like he was all that. But if you talk to him, he was, you know, on the phone, or at least maybe that maybe he just was gruff with me. You know? he'd, uh, he'd, he, 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 he was the gruff guy that I think always was going to give you the good. He was always going to come through for you, you know, and for me, with all the books I did, he was I called up Leroy. Hey, I'm working on this book. This is my budget. Can I help? Can I can I use some of your pictures? And he'd say, "Yes, you know, use what you want and send me the check, whatever you you know." He was always really easy to work with. But his work, you know, when I go back and look at it, I'm it doesn't it doesn't get all up inside me the way Stoner's did. Um, so Leroy was shooting before Ron was, and so was Don James. Yeah. And and there's a 
there was a surfing magazine. Um, they had a thing, it was sort of like the surfer poll. I think it was the surfer magazine, surfing magazine hall of fame. It started in maybe 66, 65. And those three guys, uh, Don James, Leroy Granis and Stoner were the, the three photographers. I can't remember what order they finished in, but you know, Ron was the, just the young one. And the other two yeah. guys were, were sort of older, but Ron got third, I think in that, but it was, you know, it was a joke. Ron was the, Ron was the one who had a, he was, I say this, I don't mean to sound mean, but he was kind of an idiot savant. Like he was, Ron was a self-taught, um, strange guy, possibly on the spectrum a bit, maybe. Mm. Um, but, you know, and, you know, Art Brewer once told me that Ron, you know, didn't know how to do anything really, except put the film in the camera. But he meant what, and what he went, what he meant by that was that he was just a natural. He was like the guy who can sort of pick up a guitar, and you know, six weeks later he can play it. You know? Yeah, that, like when when um you know when you hear about like Aki talking about you know how he's just surfed on feel, you know, and whereas you almost imagine yeah Stoner's same way, just like going on feeling the whole thing. And I mean, gosh, absolutely right. And, and and I know like I've read your articles in your book on Stoner as well, and like. He was all, I mean, all about feeling stuff. I mean, with all the, 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 the LSD and, you know, wanting to be, you know, part of the gang and everything and his strong emotions with his family. I mean, it was very much emotion. And I'm, I think, you know, creating almost like when you hear about uh, Brian Wilson, kind of his Absolutely. music was creating this beautiful, idyllic lifestyle and this and stoner's films did his his photos did as well and both of them i imagine that was like this great escape for them on a hundred percent and it's funny because i it's you know I, I almost hear um i almost hear beach boys songs in my head when i look at stoner's photos mm -hmm. and i can see ron's photos when i hear certain beach boy songs you know and i've often wondered you know if you didn't grow up and in, in Southern California in the 60s. And I have, that's where my memory sort of starts. Like 66 is right where I can kind of remember things. So um, I kind of wonder if it's just playing to a part of my brain that's just being sort of formed, but it's it, those two guys as damaged as they were and as fucked up as the, what their families were. And the, the fact that they found this creativity and this outlet in the same direction, like toward the, you know, toward the beach, toward the West, toward the ocean. And um, I don't know, I just really, I hate this phrase, you know, brothers from another mother, but that's how I think, I think of those two guys. Um, and there's something sort of tragic about both of them and something also not tragic exactly, but you know, what, what they're describing or what they're creating that 19 mid 60s thing was just about to fall off the cliff along with Ron Stoner's mental health and Brian Wilson's own mental health for a while because you know uh, Stoner's work really um, is it, uh, it, in some ways it's timeless but the ones that we really remember all the Stoner stuff is that it's stuff that seems very embedded into a into a time and a place that was about to be really over sort of just overwhelmed and taken over you know so, yeah, I, and, and again, you know, you don't get that from Leroy or, or, or Don James, as great as those guys 
work is and as technically proficient as it is and as, and as glad as I am that those guys were there doing what they were doing, you know, especially Don James as he was shooting, I think, going back to the 40s. I um, would argue there's there's a dichotomy or a split in surf photography with Stoner and Granis. Stoner was surfer, Granis was surfing, basically, correct? And and Granny, like his style was mostly from land. He didn't do water shots. It was pretty right. straight on. And another great surf photographer who ended up taking up the mantle at surfing was Larry Moore, Flame, who I would argue is like a direct descendant to Granny. Like Flame, you know, he's you know he did water shots, but his he was known for almost like that straight tight prop shot of the surfer action shot almost right. from land and right. like there's this lineage there right well and then and then stoner leads to uh art brewer Brew exactly right exactly whereas surfer and I, that's how i always viewed surfer and surfing in my mind growing up was always like right surfing was was more of like kind of the the factual this is what it is this is surfing whereas surfer was a little bit more Moody. imagine there was a bit right. more mad i don't want to say a bit more po poetic but yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah yes exact poetic license maybe or something mm -hmm. like that like you could say they they took more poetic license with the photos um you know there was stillness in the photos whereas surfing felt like it was action it was right. all action shots and that's right. kind of the two two styles like stoner was you know the lone surfer paddling out and you know, or, or very, very idyllic, idyllic uh, imagery, whereas Granny was more action. And sport so, versus art. Yeah, maybe. yeah, in some ways, but, maybe. But getting back to the whole, the, the, the topic, the cult of the surf photographer, it mm. also, you, you got to remember, too, that um, Leroy and um, Don James were, had day jobs, yeah. right? So Ron, I think, was the first photographer who was given a, you know, a set was salaried and I think given a gas card by surfer. And I, I'm sure the numbers were, was, it was, I'm sure it was a pittance, but he was, I don't know, he was 19 or something and he didn't need a lot of money. And, you know, Leroy and, and Don are raising families. And I think, I think Don James was a Don dentist. Was a dentist. He yeah. Was a dentist and, and for like yeah. Cary Grant and all the celebrities and everything. Yeah, It's kind of like what Nat Young said, you know, before, surfing was what you did whereas now surfing is life you know and it's the same thing you know once right, well, right. It, well surf photography is life all of a sudden it becomes your identity well but, it was well well ron for sure was obs obs obsessed with surfing as the guys he was that uh, he was shooting photos of where i think leroy and don would just sort of show up at the beach you know, there weren't as many spots to go to back then. Mm -hmm. Leroy, I mean, Leroy, half his career was just walking out in front of his house at 22nd Street in Hermosa, <laughs> which is, you know, whatever you're, whatever the nearest beach that you surf in, in, in NYC is. Bristol for you, Jamie. <laughs> well, I'm saying like, that's the equivalent, you know, Leroy made it, Leroy Granis made a surf spot out of this closeout. It was in a, this little stretch of closeout that was no different from what was two miles that way or two miles that way he made a surf spot out of it because it was in front of his house right so whereas ron um you know was on the phone with all with billy hamilton and and with uh you know all the the hot guys up and down saying okay where are we going to meet tomorrow and if it's not good there what you know and planning these 
ranch sort trips of set and everything. The template almost, you know, absolutely. The, work, the working relationship between right. the surfer and the photographer, which I would argue like the surf photography and surf photographers are the oil of surf culture. I think, you know, they keep, they grease the wheels and keep the imagery and the ideas. Like I was thinking a lot about this, like from a class system, if you were to class system surfing, it's like pro surfer. Well, sorry, surf industry CEOs, <laughs> but, but they're like pro surfers. And then it's like, shaper and surf photographer to me were kind of on level like there are these they're very eccentric or very interesting charismatic i don't want to say charismatic but interesting characters on both sides kind of underappreciated but extremely vital to the growth of the sport and the culture and maybe not compensated as well as the surfwear ceo and whatnot um, well that's the thing as far as the status and the glamour though like they were above the CEOs, you know, yeah, nobody right. gives a fuck about the CEOs there, you know, you, you <laughs> might read about them and find them fascinating, but you know, what, what makes, yeah, the pro surfers are the glam ones. And then, yeah, the photographers and the shapers. Well, and also the writers, of course, you know, writers are, not well. <laughs> writers are like the sycophants who follow them and write about them. And like, they're the intellectual ones. They <laughs> if appeal you're going to do a the... thing on the, the cult of the surf rider, it kind of begins and ends with Campion. Drew Campion did it. Drew Campion became like a surf photographer, but he, who else? I mean, anyway, there, that's another podcast maybe, yeah. but there weren't very many of them. And Drew, you could almost argue that Drew was the beginning and end of that because Drew was a Drew was had a whole yeah. thing around him, you know. But but the reason, so think about that. Why you know why why did we care so much about the the shapers and the and the and the photographers? Because you know the shapers gave us the boards, and back then, of course, every I mean. You guys, were you guys surfing when board every, you know, when there no two boards were alike? I mean, when, like, I mean, no, there came a point, no. <laughs> there came a point when the machines sort of began being really dependable in the mid nineties, where you could break a board and go in and get another one that would ride pretty much the same. Right. And yeah. now, you know, I don't, you don't get bad boards anymore, but man, you know, for, for decades, you, you know, you crossed your fingers every time you got a new board. And so the guy that could make you a great board consistently was, I don't know, you know, I, I it was, it was, uh, it was science and it was magic and it was, and, you know, it, so those guys were, and, and then, you know, and then the photographer was because the thing that we did was so ephemeral and that, it, you know, you, the, the best waves I've ever gotten, I are only in my head, you know, and then, out of the hundred best waves I've gotten, maybe two of them I've got a photo of, and there, you, 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 we all, all of us, like that was, um, again, also kind of miraculous, and 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 to not, and so, and also just to be able to see what pipeline looked like, and at some point you're, you're looking at the photo of pipeline, and the next thing you know, you're in the channel looking in the tube, and then eventually you're in the tube looking out of the tube, and that was putting us all in places that we didn't that we weren't uh, in ourselves often enough. So that's why you could look at a picture of um, Jock Sutherland in a, in a tube at Pipeline in 1969, you know, again and, again and again and again and again and again. And it was, because <laughs> you know, there wasn't enough of it. And that's, 
also to your point, Tyler, that, that's why we don't need the, the surf photographer anymore because there's no more mystery in it. It's, you know, that whatever two ride uh, Mason Hogot we've seen from four different angles and we can put it on repeat. Well, it's, it's interesting, right? Like when you would, I don't know about you, but uh, Jamie, you probably felt the same thing here. Like, uh, I mean, when I was a kid, like Jamie used to, I mean, Jamie influenced me, but he had all the photos on his wall. I mean, it's incredible collage of surf photos. And you would see a photo and, and it's really interesting, particularly like if you look at photos from like the 80s, a lot of the photos are right before hitting the lip, leading into a turn, like it's almost a before and it leaves you the imagination of what happens after. And you see this like kind of arc and a turn and you're imagining it going one way. And you so when you surf, you, you envision yourself trying to do that. Whereas then you see the video footage of that photo maybe in a movie and it never lived up to actually the photo or what your imagination of the turn was. And I, I would say like, it's interesting because what you watch that, and then if you look at photos from the 90s, particularly late 90s, the photos are never of the entry and a lot more of either a sequence or of after the maneuver is, is just started, you know? And it's a real fascinating thing where you, I was looking through all my magazines and you see it like the, the technology almost, uh, and the technology and the skill set changed how we viewed the photo in those time periods. And I don't know where I was going with it. I just went on a well, long tangent. This, oh, <laughs> go ahead. I was gonna, oh, what, what was interesting? I mean, the way that ties into the whole cult thing, you know, like, you know, the that's a, a really beautiful point which you just made there, Tyler. How looking at a photo can influence your surfing in a more creative way than watching a video. You know, yes. like, um, you know, Rabbit. That was know, the point I was trying to make, by the way. Yeah, and and how Rabbit spoke about how him and Michael Peterson in the mornings would go to M Michael's house and have a bowl of muesli and listen to Deep Purple. And there'd be a whole wall of like, like I, you just described my room, how I had the Tom Curran wall, he had the, yes. you know, the Nat Young wall. And they would just sit there psyching on it and staring at it and getting pumped up, kind of like you'd watch a, you know, a few clips now or something, but how it would lead to the creativity of it all. And how, um, you know, how like throughout time, you know, like surf photography has changed so much. Um, and how the surf photos influence so much. Which which surf photographers do you think were like the were the ones who influenced surf culture and surf performance? Wait, before we go there, I just want to oh, say yeah. one more thing. That, yeah. it, because Tyler, I think that you're also right in that the technology itself, that the cameras, like even my little, you know, even this, like the cameras got so good and the processing got so good that um, some of my favorite photos, my favorite era of surf photography, a lot of it is from the, the late 60s and early 70s when it was all uh, a bit rougher and, and it got too much of what I see online now, and this goes as well into the magazines going back 15 or 20 years, everything looked too perfect. It looked too, it looked too good. And then your minds, and it's, I think that you've... Um, when it looks too good, you're not allowed to sort of fill in anything of your own, or you're not allowed. To, it just looks. Um, there's, uh, um, it's not there's impressionistic a, I'm anymore. Sorry. Right. It's realistic. It's hyper realist. There's, yeah. there's some interview in on the Sunday Joint. I'm trying to find it actually right now, where Art Brewer talks about this. How oh. 
now it's all too perfect. And right. he he mentions a story how Native Americans, when they weave the blanket, they would weave imperfections right. in it because the world is imperfect. Right. And humans are imperfect. And things are so clean and so tight right now that it doesn't leave a lot to imagination. Uh, the videos also don't leave a lot to imagination. Right. And so... Um, I wonder if that, you know, how that affects how kids look at surfing today, even. Um, well, like it's the back to the thing I said about Kelly's wave pool, which is if every wave's perfect, then no wave's perfect. I mean, you don't, if all the photos are perfect, and this is, you know, as much as I liked his work, this is where Flames' work sometimes left me a little cold because everything yes. was always front lit and totally. studio, you know? Yes, and exactly. Right, so. I, I, I always had an issue, like, this is no disrespect to Flame and Larry Moore. Like, gosh, like this guy was incredible and mentored so many photographers. I just want to emphasize that. But I always felt Surfing Magazine particularly was lacking something in the photography, whereas Surfer had something. And there, it's kind of that description. Like it was, Surfing was, Surfing was also the state of the art of surfing. Right. It was always about progression and not so much about the romanticism of surfing, whereas surfer kind of played on the romanticism and they had regard for more of the history where surfing kind of like, was like, yeah, there's history, but we're focused on the now. And right. so those two kind of played off each other. And like, I, I, you know, I've always felt a little guilty thinking that about Larry Moore's photography, because I do love it, but it does felt, it felt more, less timeless sometimes and more a uh, state of the art, but not lasting on, on a lot of shots. But yes, yeah, like Steve Pesman had written about uh, Jeff Devine saying, you know, Jeff, Jeff would be the first to admit he's not the, the, the top tech, most technically gifted photographer. But like when you read, look at all his photo books that are selling so well right now, they just, they just resonate with you a certain way. They communicate a certain poetry basically. And, uh, and yeah, I think that's something that's what you were saying right there. You know, with Surfer Magazine, it, it had more poetry, more impressionistic type of feel. That's, yeah. That was sort of, that was, in, that was done intentionally. Surfing, Surfer got there first and Surfer sort of staked out a, a, a bigger view of, of Surf. And that was, uh, Severson did it first. And then especially Campion when he's coming in with, you know, it was poetry and editorials and politics and all this mixed up. And surfing, I think, correctly gauged it to younger, progressive, cutting edge stuff. And that was their turf and we had our turf and there was a lot of overlap, but um, flame fit perfectly into that, into that, into, you know, into what they were doing. So it was, it was a good match, Hilarion, it was a good match. And um, did I ever tell you time about we, when we played those guys in, so in softball, the softball game, the big surfing have I already told that story on this pond? The pond? No, let's hear this story because I do know about the story about the donuts. Um, oh, yeah, there was, there was <laughs> no love, no love lost with the two, <laughs> the two things, and, and the one who took it the most seriously was Flame. That's why I bring yeah. it up because, you know, for Flame, it was it was really really kind of Lakers Celtic stuff, and and uh, where <laughs> I don't know if I told you guys this too, but you know, I was actually college roommates with Bill Sharp. Yes. So before either one of us was even in the surf media at all, Bill and I were uh, roommates at San Diego State for a- But by coincidence, you guys didn't choose to be roommates. You just ended up that way, luck of the draw? 
Bill got to San Diego State the year before I did, and then he heard that Mark Theodore and I were coming up. I think Bill might be might might have been a year ahead of me. And Mark and I were at Zura Hall, which was this six-story monolithic, just horrible, it looked like a like a just giant public housing block that was the you know the student hall for freshmen and sophomores. And I was a sophomore. My best friend Mark was a fantastic. Um, NSSA national team surfer was my roommate. You know, I don't know if you guys went to college dorms. Like, you know, it, it was, a, yes. we had a dorm room, the two of us, it was smaller than my office. Just like two beds, three yep. feet apart and a desk on either end. Not much and, different than a prison cell. No, <laughs> that's right. And so, and so <laughs> Bill Sharp had been there, The Bill Sharp and his roommate, Rick Lord, had been there the previous year in Zura and they'd moved down to rent um, a place beachfront at Mission Beach, which is where I was surf, we were surfing anyway. So anyway, we, Mark and I come back a, a third week of school, and somehow those guys had found out where we were and what room we were in, and they, they'd taken like a pen and written on our on the door, not on the little, you know, the whiteboard we had, whatever. It said some kind of poem that was Bill Sharp's invitation for us to come down and surf with him, right? And so we went down. We all got along well and we dropped out of Zura at the end of the semester break and moved into Mission Beach for one last ridiculous um, semester for me before we got kicked out of that thing and I quit college and went back and eventually got my job at Surfer. Anyway, Bill stayed at San Diego State. Two years later, he was working at Surfing and then three years later, I was working at Surfer. So we, he and I went at Surfer Surfing Days, we were friends. You know, we, got, we would go out to lunch together, we were fine, but fuck, Flame just hated us like he he needed flame i think to 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 be at his most uh effective and his most like his most productive needed ran on he, he was fueled on you know sort of anger and 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 loyalty and all this other stuff like there's all kinds of stories where if you come in he would find out that you were um even like freelancers had given a roll of photos to jeff to look at first would just banish them from you know so wow wow and, and bob mcnona was a little bit the same way too he was the publisher jersey so boy jersey boy I, right there i don't know how it happened <laughs> but in the summer of 75 or maybe 76 a, 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 a softball challenge was thrown down and it was a summer afternoon and uh 75 team, or 85 I'm, I'm sorry 85 85 or 86 and uh <laughs> And we, we showed up first and, you know, we're throwing the ball around and everyone's, and then they showed up and, um, they had some ringers, some people from, they pro, may have had, a, they may have had a, I don't know if they had any ringers, but they were taking it really seriously, way more than we were. I imagine right now in my head, I'm envisioning, I don't know if you ever seen the movie hot, hot dog. dog. I knew you were going to say <laughs> <laughs> with Rudolph, Rudolph Garmisch, you know, and like all the, Hi, 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 hi! Where they're playing, playing broom the, ball. The broom ball. They, <laughs> they came. They came down. Uh, I, I didn't see hot dog, but I, I can sort of imagine. And uh, it wasn't quite like that. But they were. We were, and everyone, you know, everyone. Matt, had you're gonna have to put off the Scrabble for tonight and watch hot, watch dog, hot dog with Jody. Oh, well. Shannon everyone Tweed had a red solo cup. Way. And what I remember distinctly was that uh, I was so anti. I, I even back then I just didn't like wearing stuff that was branded or anything. And so I had on. Uh, God, I'm so embarrassed. It was like a flash dance. I had a ripped tank, a ripped shirt. It was a t-shirt, just with sleeves ripped off. Michael Jackson 
thriller jacket while you wore there too no no oh that was different no yeah but i also had on there's the imagery for this uh episode (laughs) no no here i'm gonna give you the best part of the imagery so i i I still to this day i'm really proud of this i was wearing uh not quite daisy dukes but i took some levi's and i just ripped them and left some strands down the side you know so i had i had uh short pants that were just torn levi's you know that was my garb it was it was hilarious but I also don't have any, I'm, I'm a terrible softball player. So I ended up like making a couple of errors and I took myself out of the game. I think I hit a single at one point, but uh, they were kicking our ass until the final inning. And we had one guy who played college ball named Bruce Bogan, who I almost What think a great name, man, for Australians. That must be great, Bogan. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and Bruce just, I, I don't know if he was sort of... Um, almost baiting those guys but he just almost like just went Michael Jordan on it even though you can't really do that in baseball and you know he just was catching everything hitting everything and the last inning you know in my mind Bruce Vogan last at bat just you know hits a triple we get all the runs and we won the game and and the and the lingering image apart from my uh my fashionable shorts was the surfer guys walking off uh, along the uh, the third baseline, um, just toasting and just raising, and we were happy. We're all going to a clam bake down to Doheny, and the surf in guys going down the first baseline, and all of their heads down because McNona was yelling at them, like <laughs> <laughs> it was supposed to be fun, and he was going, "God damn it!" What? And he was pointing at people you and telling them where they'd gone. There. Yeah, <laughs> was, they were off to go practice. And then, and then, you know, the the smartest thing that we ever did when I was at Surfer was not give them a rematch. We just took our win and and went home. But I, you know, the donuts in uh, ninety. So that was their that was their retaliation. It took a while, but I do remember Flame taking it pretty seriously as well. Flame was really, really just a serious person. Um, And after I left Surfer years later, he and I, you know, when when. It was like, you know, World War II vets decades later, we were able to talk and be, everything was fine. And I'm friends with McNona now too, but um, it was a really different vibe. And uh, I think that they were super pissed off because they got beat by the old guys. We were the older guys, you know? So anyway, where were we? Uh, no, okay. right. before, oh, sorry, just before, I have to ask something real quickly. So Matt, was it you, it's back to the San Diego State University thing. Was it you who wrote, in like an 86, 87 surf articles called the best surf article ever. And it had like yeah. the top 10, this top 10, that. And you were talking about the best surfing universities and you totally in- influenced. You did write that, right? It was you. So you influenced my direction. I was, cons- I, I was considering San Diego state university, but you said the real world didn't take it seriously. <laughs> so I, I, I didn't I, go there. I don't think the real world takes San Diego State too seriously, but I have been so out of it for in terms. I don't like maybe there's a ranking or something that would prove prove that wrong. <laughs> um, it w- I only went for two semesters, and it was um, I can't blame San Diego State for anything that happened in those two semesters. The school could have been great or it could have been terrible. All I was doing was surfing every day, and I was a I remember the first semester when I was at Zura, I got straight A's. In the second semester when I was down at Mission Beach, um, I got, uh, I think, three C's and a, and a D. So that wasn't, St- that wasn't San Diego State's fault. That was me just 
not, you know, not bothering with it. So, um, where did you go to school? I went, oh man, I ended up at university of Colorado. All right. I, I had, uh, yes, Santa Barbara was first choice and I didn't get in there. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, that, that changed everything. That's why I'm here in London right now. Because I, oh, I did like that. To I see did... you in university, you know, not that big a deal. <laughs> I did like that cover, though, though, Jamie. That was the only cover that we ever did that was a, uh, a concept cover, the best article in the history of, like, it was that white cover that had all the stuff on it. Like, I'm looking at all those surfer magazines from the time that I was there. It's literally 90-something percent of the covers, I think, are, are absolutely forgettable or worse. But that's one of the maybe three that I thought came out okay. And how that ties into this whole surf photography yeah, thing and Art yeah. Brewer and everything. Well, did Dad has a picture of Tom Kern on it that Tyler, you told me once that Tom Kern was really not happy with that photo shoot. Oh, the that was the face because he looks a little he looks a little, a little jolly, a little pudgy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a little got some jowlage going there. It wasn't it's, with yeah. the the blue and white stripe button up shirt too, right? Is that that's the one? Oh, not looks, that one. No, not that one. That that's one from um, I think Surfers the movie. I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he looks good movie. in that one. The, yeah, but the the cover awesome. shot, the cover shot that uh, that Jamie's talking about, oh. he is a little. He would he you know he just showed up. It was like it was a day where he was had water retention or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Had a bit too much sushi and, with soy but sauce. But that was a Brewer photo, you know. So you you kind of here we are tell, saying how great Brewer was, and he, you know, even Art couldn't make Tom look thinner that day. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, I got to I got to start. Like when we say the cult of surf photographer, like the there's an image in my head when when you say that. Um, I have an image of a surf photographer. There on we the all beach. blurt it out at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Probably. Cause I've got one too. I do too. They're on the beach. Oh, are we, we going to do on three? No, let's do it in turns. Let's do it All in right. turn. Well, oh no. One, two, three. And then we'll hear each right. one. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. They're on the beach. Nine out of getting... 10 girls like Dan Merkel. <laughs> well, I, said... <laughs> I did Wait, a whole did... sentence. Tyler, what did you say? Uh, I didn't even get to finish because I heard Jamie's <laughs> and it just started <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tyler, um, you speak. I'm going to mute myself for a the, minute. The, the vision of surf photographer is the one on the beach. I mean, really, it's the prof no. it's kind of based off the, a mix of the professor from North Shore, you know, with the hat and the big camera and everyone wants to get in front of. But then there's some assistant, photo assistant, applying sunscreen to them while they're taking photos. Like, that yeah, no, no, but like, give us the name. Like you got to, so you're, you're giving us the generic. Yeah, uh, I am. Guy. That's what and I, that's what I think of when so I, two when of the I, three of us were playing uh, a different game because yeah. Jamie threw out a name and I threw out a name and you threw out um, the, the generic the, the, in the, between the, the archetype. The mix. Or yeah. you threw out, do you remember there was also an article a long time ago where they had make the perfect surfer and it had Sean Thompson's hair. It had Todd Martin's feet and it had some other things. I remember, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And but my, Merkel's, okay. a, Merkel's a good choice. But, but do you know the actual Merkel picture is. I have of Merkel? Is that the one of him a, with like, it was with all the, he's wearing like a, a Lou Reed uh, leather bar, like a, like a New York leather bar hat, like a, like a police hat. And he's got all those girls draped around him kind of thing. Yes. And there was something where he was on the beach and it said like eight out of nine girls think Dan Merkel's a hunk. And they said like, uh, yeah, that's the one. God. Merkel, 
but Merkel was um, a specific type of, uh, because within, within this cult of the surf photographer, there were also these sort of areas. Like yeah, Brewer, was, Brewer was kind of the- um, The Annie the arts, Leibowitz of it or- The or artsy something. one, right. Yeah. And then, and then uh, you know, Flame again was this, um, the, the kind of the militarized guy. And then, and well, actually no, Merkel was too, because Merkel was the one who was just yeah. running on the beach with weights tied to his wrists and legs and everything. And Merkel, you know, Merkel was dead serious. Still is. He's the he most scares serious. Me. Yeah. He yeah. Scares me. The stories I've heard of Merkel, you do not yeah. want to be on the bad side of Dan Merkel. That's right. That I don't, is I don't, for sure. Yeah. Many surf I, photographers, it seems like you do not want to be on the bad side of. And then you know, and then Jeff Devine was that was the super, super nice one that everybody loved. And mm -hmm. uh and then uh, Don King was the uh, the one that was taking every was was the one who was taking you sort of the deepest in the tube. But but to, you know for me, the, um, Aaron Chang was the guy that when I think of the cult of the surf photographer was was first of all he may have been you know the best one of the best all arounders. But he was you know he 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 hustled. He was professional. He was um, he he was he, he he saw beyond surfing too though. You know that's the yeah. thing. Like it seemed like he. He, he uh, you know, he, he's, he was getting printed in, in mainstream publications. He was trying to hustle in that way, it seemed yeah. like. And then, and then, gosh, like he had a whole clothing line when, when it became possible to print photos on T-shirts properly. Right. Like it was, remember Aaron Chang clothing? Photo wear. Yeah, but it didn't do very well. Yeah, yeah it didn't and last yeah. you know, <laughs> the art and the photography, but. That but it's interesting, like when you say like about both of those guys, well, all of those guys, but like, yeah, the actual, the cult of them, it's it, the char the charisma of them. You know, when you wrote, Matt, in the EO, in the history of Aaron Chang, when he gave the interview to, I don't know which magazine it was, was it Vogue Rolling, some big magazine or photographer magazine, and the way he spoke, you know, with his low, you know, just, he, he built up the mystique uh, about himself. Absolutely did. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's what I, you know, when I think the cult, the first surf photographer is, you know, Chang is the guy that sort of comes to mind because he worked, he worked on being, he wanted to be that. And, and surfing magazine absolutely sort of serviced that whole idea. They would do a Aaron Chang whole profile. Pro, pro, profile every 18 months or something, you know. And that cutback, that photo of him doing that cutback is pretty serious. A lot of those guys, that, we should mention wow. a lot of those guys were really good surfers. Really um, good. Yeah. What what were the person like i gotta ask like because like a lot of these photographers you know they they were characters but also they had to play kind of second fiddle to the pros they were traveling with or photographing you know like they weren't in front of the camera so much even though the magazines did kind of elevate them it, it must have been weird with with like a photographer maybe that that is of the caliber of merkel or chang and then going on a surf trip and you're the pro surfer but who's who has the bigger ego there ah uh, but that's thing the photographers have the power and the longevity the pro yeah. surfers are here for a short time but you art brewers still doing it you know like yeah there's no that that's too it, the, the, they were comp they worked together there wasn't i don't remember there being much of a um I don't remember hearing stories. You hear all kinds of stories about, you know, of photographer, photographer inner the uh, inner scene fighting with the photographers was nuts. Yeah. Sometimes, 
and among the pro surfers. Do you have any juicy gossip stories for us on that? Um, no, no, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to think of, I mean, I, I do know that one of those really early Toto Santos trips, um, that flame had set up, this may be why it was, this, was, this wasn't why flame hated surfer, surfer, but it was, it would have been the peak, peak hatred of flame for surfer came when he set up the Toto Santos trip in probably 88 or 89 with Brock little oh um, that's where this surfer got the cover with brock right. little too oh and, my god and surfer that's caught wind 44. of it and we and we just and, and we just sent our guy off to shoot we knew you know and and we got a cover shot out of it and it was flame you know it was flames trip you know and so he just he poached it <laughs> poached it a bit so so um All right. What Flame was the that planning point, behind that? What was the planning behind that, Matt? Was that calculated? I, was that like, I, we got we got a we secret got, tip. Flame so is our guy, going to Toto's. Our guy is a guy that you never hear from anymore because he, he because he just so outgrew surfing and he became a much, much bigger deal than any of the guys we've talked about, I think, in terms so of... Robert Beck, is it? Yes. Oh. That's right. Robert Beck. So who, Holly who, Beck's who, dad? No, no. Robert Beck was... So when I was... In 81 or two, when I was um, the very tail end of my um, you know, pro career, Robert Beck was this school teacher in Manhattan Beach. He was such a self, he was so motivated and so ambitious. And uh, somehow he knew that the local, you know, he, he, he found out where the local surfers were. He'd just gotten a camera and he just wanted to take pictures of us. And we, and we did it. He didn't have any, he just did it for himself. And you know, as I went up through the ranks through Breakout and then Surfer, Robert was doing his own thing. And I ended up, he was working first at surfing and I took him away from surfing and brought him a surfer. And he just, you know, he went through surfing, he went through Surfer, he just went through the roof and ended up at Sports Illustrated. And he's, wow. you know, he's, he's a big deal now. I mean, he may be retired, but anyway, Robert Beck, he just needed to hear that uh, Brock was going to be a Toto Santos and Robert himself just, I think, took it upon himself to get a boat and go out there. I don't think I don't, he was so um, he was so good at getting doing, you know, what he could do everything by himself. He didn't need anybody. He didn't need myself or Jeff to direct him. He would have maybe called to say, hey, did you guys hear that Brock's going to go to Totos? Yeah, we did. All right. And, you know, two days later, he's just giving us the slides and there's the cover shot you know so i believe the title of the article is quien is mas macho who is the most macho <laughs> is the... it mike parsons right and mike parsons yeah. and... and brock you know Fuck, that was horrible what do you mean bill murray that's from bill murray on um saturday night live you're he right had a game yeah. show quien is mas macho <laughs> you're right you're right <laughs> So it is cool. It is okay. cool. Anyway, and, Flame, and that was the Flame, top thirty article too. By the way, it had the top yes. thirty review, which is if Flame um, had been in a room with Robert, with you know, and it had been armed, he would have, he would have, he would have killed Robert Beck. No, you know, he, <laughs> although Beck was that, tough too. That must have, like, I imagine then that must have irked Flame to see Beck, who scooped him on that, and then take off beyond the industry. Like that I don't would... know. You know, I don't know if Flame noticed that. I, I think that for mm. Flame, the world kind of ended. In, in he was really dedicated to surf all the way through. You know, that was. Yeah. And there's you see people like that all the time for whom they can't. I don't think they're thinking much out beyond beyond so, the surf. 
So if you were to put some names on this list of, of like iconic surf photographers, cult of the surf photographer, who, who are some of the names here, guys? Like, let's, let's throw some names out. Now, we have, uh, what's your criteria? The best photographer or like the most charismatic, iconic one? Yeah, yeah. I think it has to be a blend of the two. It has to be like, they have to have an iconic shot, but also they, they have to have been like one of those mover and shaker personalities that always worked in the industry and were known in some ways, I think. Because yeah, like I, because I was thinking about it and thinking like there are some, like the, the, some of the photographers in the last ten years are sick as shit. Like the ph photography, Laser Wolf. I was looking yeah. at his profile recently, and I was like, oh my god, that picture's insane. But there's some which are just like they just have that feeling of like you're back to that whole Mount Rushmore thing. So. I'll tell you, I talk about the ones who where if you pulled them out of it, there'd be this this hole in surf like you know you can't imagine mm. i can't imagine 60s surfing without stone or you can't i can't pull him out and no. you know so who were the guys bolster could never i mean that right. guy you know with the mounted cameras and and getting so close and getting getting beat up basically yeah, by trying great. to get so close he would be one dan merkel gosh i would like. i would put hugh mcleod in there as well although I, so a lot of times i can't tell um, Bruce Channon and him. Right. So I, I get those, I, but I think that McLeod is the one I'm thinking of. And I think that he, there's something that he did with surfing world in the nineties that um, to me also feels like you, you couldn't, you couldn't pull him out of it and not have it be a, a pretty gaping sort of hole in, in what we think of in our heads as what surfing looked like. So he, I'd put him in there. Jamie, you want to, want to contribute to this list here? What do you got? Yeah, it was interesting because I have them in different tiers here. I mean, oh, like break it down for us. Well, I'll be, yeah, I, 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 he's looking I, at his I, list. I can see him. <laughs> I got it right here. Trying to find out like to know what's on the back of this. Do you know what I've been thinking? Like every time, like you know, write these notes and these papers. I've been recycling them. And I feel like I should have kept them to make a bit of a, ephemera, oh, a little gift, nice. you know. Okay, but then I thought, you know, you have the whiteboard, Matt. So you know, that's it's like surfing. Perfect art. Your trail gets eaten up by the tube, you know. And um, anyway, yeah, I've got um, yeah the ones we've mentioned: Art Brewer, Dan Merkel, and Ron Stoner as my top three. After that, like, I felt like something about those three just rose up above everyone else. And, but, but, but right below that, and I, that's when I might start missing stuff out, but I've got a, like an eight-person list. Ted Grambo, Jeff Devine, Peter Crawford, Aaron Chang. I put Bud Brown and John Severson in, although I know they're kind of film guys, and uh, Warren Bolster and Leroy Granis. After that, and I'll just reel these off quick, and then I'm going to be start missing people. I got Don King, Scott Aikner, George Greeno, Tom Survey, Larry Moore, Jeff Hornbaker, and Steve Wilkins. And I know I'm missing people after that. So I had I had created a list of um, kind of fo focus, hyper focus on like the '80s, I guess, uh, for people who I would regard in like cult. So it's pretty much everyone there, except I would, I would throw in there Eric and Kirk Leader. Oh, yeah. uh, Sylvain Kazanov, uh, the French photographer, uh, Marty Tullemans, who mm. I loved actually, you know, because he, he recently passed and um, 
you know, and I've seen stuff about him recently. So I've just started looking at a lot of his photos. Like he captured a lot of the cultural stuff too. And the behind the scenes, which I really love. I love like on, on one of my lists of one of my surf favorite surf photographers, Steve Sherman. And it's not because technically he's a good photographer. It's just, he's one of the few that were capturing behind the scenes and the candid moments. And mm. I love candid moments of surfing. Those, those kind of like in between beats. And so I, that's why I really loved him. Woody Woodworth, who's batshit fucking crazy. Uh, you know, QAnon conspiracy theory kind of guy, but holy shit, his above above water photography, you know, in the plains were revolu revolutionary, or you know, they were a revelation for me at least. Uh, Cavatayo, you know, am I pronunciating that correctly? Another surf photographer with a name that I don't know if I'm doing, and my favorite, John Bilderback. I love John De Bilderback because there was an article in Surfer magazine where. He, and this was at the height of like me romanticizing about traveling the world as a surf rider and being a loner and all this stuff. And he's like, it's great. This job is great. And then you're on this remote beach and you find this gorgeous shell and you realize you have no one to send it to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the, you know, for a 16 year old, you're like, oh, eating that shit up, you know, <laughs> the romantic, lonely life of the surf photographer. <laughs> hey, th this reminds me, this reminds me, Tyler, that we, you were going to bring up that, uh, the joint thing that I wrote, because part of why I'm staying quiet right now yeah. is that I don't want to um, do what I did. Uh, was, was It wasn't a Facebook post. Was it a Facebook post where... The minute you start making these lists, yeah. Oh, people get yep. upset because you right. So, off. but right. and actually, Matt, you're doing it again because I'm the one who brought that Facebook post up. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm seeing the reason why I'm not going to go <laughs> and start giving a a, a, a further list because the minute I, I mean, I've how far have I gone so far? I brought up um, human. Can I just say you, and this Brewer is and, and divine, but and I just have to say it's it's just. You got to mention the brilliant term, you know, sticking your dick in a hornet's nest. Right. I, I, I'm going to try and get my older children in school the, to use the, that term. Um, it's so brilliant. It's funny now that I'm 60, I, I, I'm not being quite as, um, I, I'm starting to feel like, God, I'm, I'm aging out of being able to say stuff like that because how many, that was like four or five years ago or something, you know? And yeah. I was more inclined to talk about sticking my dick in a hornet's nest when I was a. <laughs> When I was a stripling, a sprightly, of 50, sprightly fifty-year-old. When I was a sprightly fifty-seven, that I now that I'm sixty, I gotta. Uh -huh. um, Maybe we need to end this strain. Well, no, no, the, uh, right? Let's, <laughs> no, no, let's 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 here, bring, let me, up, what were you let's say, bring yeah. up something here. We're not mentioning any women photographers, and that's something that I wanted to kind of uh, kind of bring up. You know, it's like Shirley Rogers. Yeah, I've got the whole he's, list here. Yeah, he's the only <laughs> one that I can really think of, um, you know, of that era or a time period even. And it's it's kind of shame. And like now, like it's amazing. There's some incredible right. female photographers. We actually like little plug here for Swell Season, my other podcast. We have a whole thing on Sachi Cunningham coming up. Who's so ask? Do you ask Sachi how she got started as a professional? I didn't do the interview. One of my contributors did. So the I'm first money that Sachi Cunningham made as a surf photographer was um, coming to my front door in San Francisco 
and handing over uh, three eight by 10 prints of me no in a, way. in a little tube. And I said, bring them to my house. I'd, I'd be so stoked to pay. You know, she was out there. She was a, she was the girlfriend of a guy that I surfed with a lot named Jesse and Sachi kept throwing her shoulder out. She had this shoulder that would just pop, you know, how if you have a bad shoulder, it'll start popping out all the time. And so she had to take a break from bodyboarding. And so she, she bought a water housing and was taking pictures. And it's a hard, it's a hard place to get good shots, you know, and she happened to, she and I just happened to, and I gladly gave her, God, I can't remember what, you know, I can't remember what it was. I, I remember thinking, oh, she's just getting started. She's going to charge me uh, print costs and something like that. And she came up and said, you know, like a hundred bucks or something. And I went, oh, uh, hold on. I had to like, I, I had a 20 or something. I had to go up and get a check, but I gave it to her. And I was stoked, you know, and that was her first, that was Sachi's first payday. There's a word for that. It's called chutzpah. Yeah. Dude, her photos of Mavericks over this past yeah. winter are phenomenal. Yeah. And she's documenting the women are charging yeah. it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's I see, but it is interesting, like particularly a certain era that that was not the case. It was all, I mean, well, for a lot of the industry, I guess. Well, yeah, um, that's the thing. Like Surfer, you know, two years ago, they did an article and, and still online, you know, the 12 female photographers you should be following right now. And Sachi's in that list. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole bunch on there. And it, it's interesting, like, um, you know, when I was looking at Shirley Rogers's history, you know, yeah. she managed to get pictures of like the baddest of the bad, you know, just relaxing in ways that they wouldn't relax for anyone else. Hoo, and you have man. to wonder like, yeah. So like, I was wondering like, was, you know, why, you know, like was being a woman an impediment or could it actually have been more of an advantage, you know, in, in some ways because you you look at like who are the best photographers of all time in the straight world you know the, sorry the, to use that term but outside of surfing yeah. and you have people like diane arbus and and amy Leibovitz and and so on and um how come in surfing that wasn't happening i think it's that same thing as that is the why there weren't big wave female surfers because that 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 you got to see it to be able to you know see it to be it and there just weren't mm. any the one I can think of that predates all of who we've talked about so far was Jana, Jana Proper, who I think was just mm. Gary Proper's wife. And I think he was just, I think that he, you know, we're going surfing. She, and she happened to be able, she was right there with Gary's shooting Gary and Mike Tabling and Claude Coggin and all those guys. But um, she was, you know, she was good, but I, I do wonder, like, you know, you would have thought that there would have been a, um, a little burst of um, female surf photographers because of Shirley, because she was so glam and and, yeah. and the photos were so good. And um, and by the way, the reason why she got the relaxed photos of all those guys is because she was Fast Eddie's girlfriend. I mean, that's, I think that's like, so I don't know is that- She was there at the formation of the Hui. <laughs> right, right. But like... so it might not have been easy for I, I think it was a liability. I, th I think that every, mm -hmm. I think being female and surfing was, has been a liability and continues to be, but it's less of a liability now than it would have been back then. So I just don't think you, there just weren't enough people for it to generate a, 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 a momentum, a thing for it, the way there is now with big wave surfing and, and to go on a surf trip with a bunch of young Right. guys. Yeah. It would have been pretty intimidating or annoying. Slightly, slightly off topic though, but, 
thought surf culture and surf industry really missed out on some great opportunities on on bringing women into the fold i think endless i always think about like i've been thinking a lot about it since i saw girls can't surf movie and i know i'm going a little off the range here but like holy shit like they could have gone after paul mitchell and all these endemic brands right. and brought them into surfing and and utilized the women and promoted them and that would have subsidized the men's because the men's shit wasn't so i mean it's like clothing that was it you know weren't wearing brute or old spice or any of these other you know things you know these endemic brands like but the women i think could have brought those in and it could have elevated everything but it was totally missed opportunity on that just just had a grandstand there for a second yeah. sorry but so to bring this thing sort of home, who do you guys think, and I li- I'm not even asking rhetorically because yeah. I don't think I can answer this question, but who was the last sort of photographer with a cult aura around him? Who was the last? I mean, there's Chris Burkhardt. Dude, that guy's got like a freaking cult of Chris Burkhardt behind him. Like I, I was going to be organizing like a master class photography thing. Like the thing was going to, he was going to charge like, almost like two grand to do it per right. person like it was that guy has i mean they're there they're right. it's just it's different now right like it's less action more art more uh, of an interpretation uh of the photography those are the ones who are standing out or the ones who do the more like ray collins who does the more artistic you know e- empty small wave shots and whatnot like those are the people who are making money right now and it's not so much the action photographer. It's not the money I'm after. But your point about Chris being, or, you know, having the or, having or the right having him. having that having that aura around him. You're, you're right. Yeah. It's Chris. Yeah, it, he definitely has it. There, there's a few people. I mean, Todd, um, what's his name? Kelly Slater's Glaser. Todd Glaser. Yeah, Glaser. Todd Glaser. Like he's another one who has that aura. Um, you know, whether it's being able to disarm the professional surfers and make them comfortable to have them around or they just know how to get the shot. Uh, but yeah, Glazer, Burkhard definitely are, are, are up there. Um, there's a yeah, few, there's a few now for sure. Yeah, but Burkhard's more, yeah, he is like the superstar who you, you hear about and like, you know, like when it's funny as you drift back to Scott Aikner, he was also someone who was like you viewed almost on the same level as Kelly Slater or something. Whereas now there are, yeah, like I my the person who resonated with me, Morgan Masson. I don't know how to Morgan say Morgan Masson. Yeah, he's the other but, one. Yeah, but I don't know. He wasn't as he feels. I feel like he's gone off to do other things pretty quickly. You know, well, didn't, no, didn't no, Eichner quit no altogether? Photography. What's yeah. that? Didn't Eichner yeah, quit altogether? Well, yeah, I haven't heard anything from him in tw- yeah. 20 years or so. No, not well, quite 20, but yeah. The 10. There's no magazine. Feels like. <laughs> so like well, no, he, but he, but he made, there was some kind of announcement where I think he quit and went to law school or went to business school or did something. He actually really took a hard, he took, he made a hard stop and went some other direction. He, he probably, you know, wanted to go the Tom Parrish route. I got screwed over somehow and was like, I'll never have that happen again. I'm going to become a lawyer. So no one screws me. But that's, I think like, I think it's, well, it's, it, there's no surf magazines really now. Right. You know, or if you do surf photography, it's either a hobby or you're, you have a unique angle to it that can 
parlay into a photo book or lots of Instagram yeah. followers and be a social yeah. media person yeah, as opposed to being a photographer per se. But it also, I mean, the, the one thing I saw it, I'm no, no. Talk over it, but like the, yeah, it already started to change in, in the nineties when like the, the surf company started to hire the right. um, photographers and have them on a retainer. So like you were mm-hmm. shooting for rip curl or billabong and you, you weren't like this independent God anymore. You were cor- corporate man. And it seems like the money, the money, or if you if you're the photographer or the filmmaker for Mason Ho or for Dane, your job is just to sort of uh, almost archive that. It's not really there's. um, I can't think of the names of those guys, and I know that they. I know I know that they're they do their job really well, but it doesn't seem like. Is it Rory Pringle? He does the, filmers. Like the, the Mason Ho. Like he's he's Mason Ho's guy, and then like all the pros almost like have their own their own personal, guy. But but none of personal. you know I don't think of any of those guys as doing work that seems like anywhere near at the level of what that would get adulation the way Stoner or Brewer or Chris Burkhart got. It's they're sort of hot, they're they're hired guns kind of right you know. And well, also I would argue their work is more disposable. Right. Um, there was there was a time when Art Brewer showed up on the North Shore with like what, twelve rolls of film or or fifteen, like some small amount of film, and that's all he had. And he used up every photo, and a portion, like a huge portion of those rolls, got printed. You know, because he was so they weren't disposable. Each photo right. meant the world to him meant money to him so he wasn't wasting shots on sequences or out of frame or or out of focus like it was really intentional each photo um there's something incredible about that whereas now it's just so disposable you could throw right. out every right. photo that comes out now you know um, isn't it more isn't it also just more that um uh, still photography itself is so on the sort of decline that everything's just now pressing a button and you're just sort of filming everything. Like, I mean, it's conceptual now, if you're going to do a still shot, it has to be more creative, more thought out, more, it has to stand out and God, like, and plus like, what's the incentive? What's right. the incentive anymore? You know, you're, you're more like you you'll make more money and have a better lifestyle if you shoot photos of women for Instagram or men of Instagram or something of people and use for fans only pages or whatever. Like you'll you'll do better doing that than you will of of um, doing. Well, no, I thought that, but then when I read the um, twelve women you should pay attention to right yeah. now, and they were and they showed the photos they were doing, and they were, it it they weren't taking pictures of women posing for Instagram and they were they were putting themselves in serious situations yeah. you know paddling out in big waves and getting in the impact zone so it did make me think like you can not everybody can do that you do have to have talent and skill to do that and commit but what's more lucrative right like to do what they're doing it's it's not a it's a lifestyle choice of course like which is what it's always been right like being a surf mm-hmm. photographer is a lifestyle choice um you're on the beach you're healthy you're you're interacting a thing you love um i'm just saying like lucrative money wise like right 
a lot of it, it, those the talented people who may have gone into surf photography have been siphoned off a lot of them maybe into other realms of photography yeah also i mean also there, there isn't the need in the audience anymore i don't mm. this part of this has to do with me aging out of it but when when the magazines were coming out every other month um you were starving for the images you know and, and that's studied them and and God, you know, it, it needs to be something pretty weird or something pretty, the beautiful stuff. I don't need, I don't even know if I can be moved anymore by a gorgeous surf photo. I can be moved by something that I haven't seen before, but there's, there's just not, there's, this doesn't seem, it's just nonstop 24 hour a day, seven day a week imagery, whether it's moving or whether it's still, or whether it's on my phone or here, or, you know, and so Me? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, we're we're in the era where it's more important to talk about it on a surf podcast. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> truly. I mean, you know, at least, yeah, we're. I still do want to listen to podcasts. Um, Me, this still, I can. This is a photo, Don King, uh, for our listeners who can't see this. It's a Surfer Magazine cover from technically 1992, but it's of 1991. Pipe Masters, Luke Geegan dropping in. It's a Don King photo. This photo still captures my imagination. Right. I still can look at this photo and for for out for like almost hours, you know? Like I can look at this and just there's so much detail and so much going on with it. It still captures my imagination. I don't know if it does that for kids or younger people. Yeah, I think it captures your imagination. It it's a gorgeous photo and Don that's the kind of thing that Don, Don King was so good at. He was better than that than anybody, but but you know that's because how old were you when you first saw it? Oh yeah, I was twelve. But it, I would argue still, like it, I think people could still look at that photo and like find so much nuance in it uh, that they could get stoked on it. Maybe. Yeah. Put it on the Instagram site and see what happens. <laughs> I I will I will post this one after the episode. Another another surf photographer I have to mention though because I because he's. He's winning at Instagram, I think, is Jimmy Matico. Uh, oh, Medico. Medico. Is it Medico? Old... I, I'm, again, another one who I... <laughs> the old, the, the guy, he's like my age, right? The older guy? Yeah, yeah, from Santa Barbara. Is he Harbor. winning Instagram? He's... he's got so much incredible uh, older photos of Curran and Dave yeah. Smith and that Halcyon era of... He's... He's an also on, a, just a he's a really cool guy too. I'm glad to hear that. He's so cool. Um, he seems yeah. so cool. He responds to people's uh, you know comments and everything. But he has been posting gold, and for a current diehard current fan, it's like this, he's got like the stuff. This is a really interesting point, and this is the last thing I'm going to say before I scoot and let you guys get onto the um, stump my bro thing, which is um, apart from what kind of cult aura you were able to put yourself put around yourself in your sort of at your prime and we've mentioned all these people it's been really interesting to notice through the years whose um sort of stock rises and falls so like leroy mm. leroy granis um was kind of forgotten in most of the 70s and 80s right and leroy made this just amazing comeback in the sort of the 90s yeah. so did don james and then other guys, and I'm, you know, Steve Wilkins is one of them. Steve Wilkins in his in his time was, um, 
Yeah, just he was kind of the he was actually kind of the guy, you know, and and um Jeff Devine, I always thought of as being um a little bit workaday. Yeah, he was his stuff was great, but Welking stuff was the, what knocked you out. And here in 2020, you know, Jeff owns that era. And yeah. Steve Welking's, you almost have to have been there because and that has a lot to do with how these people all shepherd and marshal and and sort of create their own um, or managing their legacy, their, 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 their archive and stuff. And there's a lot of guys that we're not even talking about that died that, that would have like Craig Feynman or um, um, there's, there's a Peter Crawford. There's a lot of them yeah. that aren't even here to sort of do that. So, I, you know, it's funny, like Jimmy Medico is going to, Jimmy Medico's owning Instagram. I love to hear that. He was a real, um, uh, sort of a backbench like he was a sort of a b-team guy in his day yeah, you know yeah. even though everyone liked him he just was sort of right place right time with like you say the santa barbara guys mm. but jimmy medico wasn't the guy that anybody would have thought of when we're sort of doing up drawing up your all-star surf photographer thing you know i wish his name was Matico though it sounds so much cooler to <laughs> so say. you're still you're still grinding on the fact that you so between uh, between jolly and Matico. Uh. <laughs> you know, all right boys just... i'm gonna let you i'm all gonna right, guys let you guys do the stump thanks matt thanks for joining us we appreciate right. it that was awesome it's probably take you, me a, it'll take me a few minutes to log out here you know me so um, anyway <laughs> um, take care yeah. you guys i'll talk to you soon you got okay. It. Goodbye. Bye. Good night. So, so James, um, <laughs> yeah. There's. I have. I. I feel like we should. I don't know. I'm sure you created a list of your favorite photographers or or whatever. I feel like we should be naming a few of these before we go into stump my bro. But we did do that already. I. I mean, I have more. I feel like there's just so much. There's so okay. much. All right. Let's. All right, so who's not been mentioned? Maybe go okay. back and forth with ones that we haven't mentioned yet, okay. and see so if we and and we'll say like, yeah, I have that too. All right. So we haven't uh, mentioned Pete Hodgson, who Ooh. still does a lot of water photography and videography for the WSL. Okay. Um, Fluid Combustion was the movie that we once had that was awesome. He did video and regular still, and mm -hmm. he does a lot of lot of stuff for for the WSL. Uh, and his shit, like that guy is like, he gets in it. He's doing the the jet skis, following people with the camera, doing a whole, he's like innovated water photography, uh, and and he's amazing. Dick Meserol, East Coast. How can we not mention him or Tom Dugan? for representing east coast surfing yeah so. yeah and i mean and larry pope as well larry if we're talking pope, about the east coast of course. and then i suppose I have, though like we're yeah. talking this isn't back and forth tyler this is you no. listing all oh, your things oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> i was just listing it out no i mean they all those everyone you mentioned are great photographers but i guess if we're talking about the cult of surf photographer yeah that was the whole thing you know like where it's like weird how like this person who actually has a job, whereas pro surfers are like the stars, but then these yeah. people actually have a real job have somehow also managed to capture our attention and amazement. True. And I don't think Pete Hodgson has probably, you know, like about, they're not rock about stars. Craig Peterson, Craig Peterson of Kevin Norton and Craig Peterson. I think with Craig Peterson, what's different is 
he so when you read the stories it was always written by co kevin on yeah. craig peterson even though he was the main photographer and they were it was different i think even though he was they're like in a whole different thing they're like star they're like um stars in the thing as well you know like story mm. creators rather than like thing like oh shit there's chang there's yeah. there's merkel there's brewer you know so like is there anyone else so again like i was gonna say tom survey is like super accomplished and everything yeah. like that has a book i mean iconic shots he, he did the current shot yeah but but maybe not i don't know I don't know. Tom Actually, survey, he, I think with, has to be on there. Yeah, I when Tom he, Survey walked into the, uh, the cafe, I was like, "Hey, that's Tom Survey." <laughs> I think I I like Patrick Trevs to be on there because mm. he is a mm. fucking was, character. Uh, let me tell you, I know him personally. Yeah. He is a fucking character. He <laughs> he almost at the New York Surf Film Festival. He, him and uh, Alex DiFilippo, another incredible photographer, nearly nearly started a riot at the festival actually fighting each other <laughs> both of them got drunk and oh man it was all hell break blues rob gilly i wonder maybe? yeah well i mean the thing is all these people you're mentioning they are so worthy yeah. um and but it's not about that it's about who has who has been elevated to cult status and a mm. cult means that there are followers right. and you have to think and that was one question i wanted to ask matt but didn't get forgot didn't get a chance to it's like who's determining who these people are you know who is it we are is it the writers in the magazine is it the word on the street how do we know and the thing is like that's the thing it's like they they have their followers you know like art brewer is every much very as much of a celebrity and a, a hero as as, as as all the you know the top surfers that we mentioned, our brewer is the man. Yeah, Punched and that's out like Brett uh, Simpson for acting up in Africa. He did, <laughs> and like uh, uh you know like um that kid probably deserved it. Steve Barilotti, I think I said this to you before. You know, in the Surfers Journal, wrote about him recently. He said, you know, like when I was growing up reading the surf magazines, he was like the one I was like, whoa, he is yeah. cool. He's the swashbuckling, almost like a, a Vietnam War photographer, you know, like you can imagine him in Apocalypse Now or something totally. like that. And yeah. you know how he he was uh, Bunker Spreckle's personal photographer going along, you know, basically gonzo photographer, you know, photojournalist. This, this art brewer, like... I know he has books about him, but I don't know if there's a proper autobiography on him or some sort of biography on him. There should be. I mean, everything from like, you know, I mean, going up to San Francisco with Rick Griffin, well, Rick Griffin's taking LSD and driving, you know, like, like this guy has probably the best stories of, of, of most surfers, I think. Well, that's it. Like, if you were going to say like, of all the different, um, stations within surfing you know like you, you mentioned ceos before you got your pro surfers your writers your shapers like you imagine the pro the photographers would be the most interesting ones to they're there documenting it they're on sometimes they're on the side because they're taking photos of it and yeah like they don't they yeah i mean and, and like gosh like they they john was it jeff callahan callahan right like that mm -hmm. Like that guy, like just explored so much and opened so That's much right. and created this 
this idyllic vision that we got ingrained in our head of what is a perfect, you know, uh, escape surf trip or isolated surf spot, you know, like all. Yeah. So they, they, they have, they're the total package. Like they are the adventurers. They're the artists, obviously. And then the technicians, like um, the, the type of technology that has been developed in surf water photography and stuff like that is just like, you have to be like a, a mad scientist, like George Greeno and um, we, D- Dale Kobatich and yeah. Angus Chater and those guys who are developing the actual tech themselves, you know? Well, that's the other thing. Like, I, I was kind of surprised we, we didn't mention like Greeno really, you know? And what's interesting is the, the kneeboard lineage of Greeno, Brewer and Crawford actually. You know, yeah, yeah, incredible photographers. Well, and all and knee borders. yeah, or bodyboarders. You know, body um, Scott Aikner, Tom um, Boyle, Tom Boyle. Oh, Tom Boyle, we didn't mention. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah so that's a uh, that's uh, that's it. Yeah, it, it's so, like this is so. All right, for all our listeners, before we go into other stuff, you know, EOS, go get to the EOS because there's just so much to cover with surf photographers. When I type in surf photographer at EOS, and it's just this incredible list of photographers and information and backstories on them, and it's so cool. And uh, I know many people are listening to this and probably like, how oh, could you forget so and so? And even like, I texted all my friends before the show and got lists from all of them. We're not even going to have time to really review those lists, but it's just like, there's so much and they're, they're with surf photography, it's such an interesting topic. And I'm kind of even surprised the industry has not promoted it more or utilized it more. Uh, I'm surprised there's no surf photographers hall of fame. I'm surprised there's no like big show or big book of surf photographers or a history of surf photography even out there. I went searching for this stuff and it's it's not there. And that that is, me like i imagine those those are probably going to be some of the best stories you'll unearth apart from the photographers mm-hmm. so okay. with that you know what time it is james time for stump, stump my, my row. Row. all right. right i'm prepared today oh I'm prepared, good i'm prepared for battle <laughs> Do you want to uh, like uh, do rock paper scissors to see who goes first, or uh... uh no 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 age before beauty, it's all good. Okay. <laughs> Wait, but I'm I'm young. You're older. I'm all young right. and listeners. Pretty. He's what, older. What than me. <laughs> he he may look if you're watching on YouTube and we post this video, he may look younger. It's just the filter on Zoom that makes <laughs> him look younger. No, I said it back to the old age at the very end. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How old do people think we are, do you think? I wonder. Uh, I don't know. Probably think we're 11 teen. Probably, probably old. I bet everyone probably guessed we're in our 40s because the, the, the era, references. a lot of stuff from references. And I feel like when I look at the, um, the, the stats and demographics on our Instagram, it kind of all hovers towards this age range, too. <laughs> So it's like we're we're really honing in on our target demo. Old well, hello out people. there, old kindred <laughs> spirits. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Well then, um, I don't know. If I here's one. I know Matt will know this one. Yeah. Uh, if he if he if he listens to the end, 
So, um, yeah, let me again, I know you might know it and you might want to jump in. Write it down if you do to prove that you got it really quickly, Tyler, if you want to. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, 1965, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's that famous uh, surf contest in Malibu where, you know, Mickey Dora is like swinging his, kicking his board at Johnny, Johnny Fane. Yeah. Yeah. And then Didn't they we end do up. this as a question already? Uh, well, we we definitely talked about the surf yeah. contest, you know, yeah. where it was like a Malibu Invitational. And yeah, I think you did talk about it where Mickey Dora and Johnny, you, there were no rules of yeah. interference and everything. You could just drop in on whoever you wanted. And there are videos of him swinging, you know, he kicking out and his board almost hitting Johnny Fane yeah. in the head and he ducks. And then Johnny Fane has written that later on, he went onto the beach and um, picked up rocks and started throwing them. <laughs> well anyway there was a few photographers on the beach that day um i think dick graham was one of them you know for surfing i think and anyway they were they were taking photos of this and one photographer is filming this and then all of a sudden mickey Dora does try to hit johnny fane and yeah. he does he whacks him in the head and apparently you could actually hear the crack on the beach but johnny fane is a tough nut and he he survives it but my god if you got that on film that would have been just you know like the money shot yeah and there was a photographer on the beach caught it he snapped a picture right on and is like oh my god and right away apparently dick graham from surfing magazine was right next to him he says I'll buy that shot right away. You know, he says, I'm giving you it. And the guy taking the pictures, I think this was one of his first assignments. And he's just like, oh my God, I am killing it. Oh my God, I am killing it. And of course, a little while later, goes to change the film. And there's no film in the camera. Oh. Or not know. that he didn't get the film lined up on those sprockets, oh, you know, the old no. ones he had the film I in. Yes. And totally oh. missed it. Oh, no. Now, who was that photographer? I don't know. I'm going to take a guess. Take a I guess. Feel, take a couple I of feel, guesses. I feel like it's a well-known photographer now. A well-known mm-hmm. surf photographer who mm-hmm. just fucked up on their first go. Mm-hmm. Art Brewer? No. It, uh, he wasn't mentioned in this uh, talk. but. Oh. Uh, probably has been listening. I, I think this person's been listening to this podcast, actually, and probably thinking, what the fuck? How come I haven't been mentioned yet? Really? Shit. I think so. They're actually listening to us? I think they're listening. That's a clue. Hmm. Drew Campion? No. No? No. Huh. Surf photographer. Okay, can you give me another hint? I work for Surfer. um, And is most likely listening to this for some reason. Hopefully listening to it. God, why do I... I don't know this. I'm like trying to think like, oh. Um, Their (laughs) first name, same initial as the surname. Okay, I guess I just have to say it. Say it. I give up. You uh, win this round. 
Yeah, I think I think was a photo editor for a surfer in the late sixties. I think, mm. I think was the photo editor. I think, you know, uh, Brad Barrett, EOS's own Brad Barrett. Oh man, Damn. I'm sorry, Brad. So uh, that was uh, that one. I thought it was a great story. It's a great one. It's a really a, nice one that we could maybe. Well, no one today could probably relate to it. You know, young people, but we could all relate to. You know, when we messed up with our film in the past and um yes yeah yeah yes i mean mess up with film like i think many young people can relate to it too they just didn't hit the live button on instagram you know and (laughs) (laughs) all right okay i did a few here but i'm gonna do the i'm thinking of a surfer one first now the only thing is you know i want to do that one well no give me the clue straight away because otherwise i'm just spending half the time just narrowing it down like is it a boy is it a girl all right right, you know what i'm gonna do (laughs) i'm gonna do the surfing one here the musical one here for you okay oh so i have a song it's from a surf movie okay you need to name the surf movie it's associated with and uh who put out the film Okay? okay, I'm not gonna make you name the, the band. I'm actually mm-hmm. going a little easy on you here, but <laughs> all right. And some of these songs might be multiple surf movies, so we'll accept either or. Okay, okay. ready? <laughs> I'm waiting. Can you hear it? No. You don't hear the music? No. In the mic. I don't hear anything. Because it's in the mic. You gotta like take your earbuds off for a second. I don't have earbuds on. I'm wearing a headphone. No, I know you need to take your headphone off for a second. I think it's playing through your regular. um, It'll play through your regular thing because I'm blasting this into the mic. No, I hear boo, 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 you don't boo, hear boo. the music no so weird I hear, I hear you but I don't hear the music oh, that's, I'm playing it right into the mic too maybe Zoom yeah, has a weird I think you're thing. gonna have to <laughs> come on give Funny. me a real stump question Tyler, All right, like okay. an actual trivia okay. question okay wait um, I got him this photographer <laughs> Okay, ready? This photographer is known for a famous <laughs> shot of Cloud Nine in Surfer Magazine. The it Callahan. The, yeah. Okay. okay. Wait, he's he's famous for breaking it with uh, Taylor Knox and um, Evan, Evan Slater. Slater. And it was also the, the issue that Slater won his first world title. Oh, yes. You mean when he's on the cover in black and yeah, white? Boy, who took that who picture? Prince? Um, I feel like it's Sherman. It's, you know, the Sherman or Gabe, uh, Gabe Sullivan, one of the two, I think. Gabe, Curious no? Gabe took a real. Actually, I don't know. He did, Curious Gabe did a bunch of black and white, all the rusty ads, actually, the black oh, and white wow. rusty ads from the early 90s. Fun fact. Oh, that um, would have been a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of a surf photographer, <laughs> filmmaker. Yeah. Um, they were a larger than life personality and they've, Films, some of the most iconic surf movies, and also uh, did some great surf photography. Yeah. Guess who that surfer is? 
do do some throw some guess it questions out at me i'll answer them and maybe you can guess it wait so a, a larger than life character who made yeah. great surf movies and was a photographer and was a photographer but also like famous for their surfing no not for the surfing just their personality oh as a personality yeah yeah <sighs> work for surfer work for surfer I mean, was it Sonny Miller or? Yeah, there you go. Uh, oh man, Tyler, this is a yeah, okay. I've got one Are for these you. Disappointing. This... I mean, the music one would have really got you, I think. Uh, we'll just do a share share screen, maybe. Do it. Can't do it on my computer. Uh, here's just this one here. I just think this is quite a nice one because it's it's quite educational right here and involves Art Brewer. All right. And uh, and Don King, I could say as well. Um, so this is a quote from Art Brewer. Who is this describing? And I'll read the very, it's a slightly long quote from Art Brewer and a, a very quick quote from Don King. The first thing I think of when I hear this name is genius, then dysfunctional. In the 70s, I was using surfer magazine housings that, you know, water housings that George Greeno made for Ron Stoner in the 60s. I was even making my own housings with Scott Priest. I even owned a few plexiglass housings and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then this guy came along and basically blew the tires off everyone. He made the smallest, most compact fiberglass housings I had ever seen. I've had a dozen of his housings and they never had a leak, but he was unreliable and could never meet a deadline. And then Don King described him for a while there. It seemed like he burned every photographer on the North shore. Now this guy was a, a a surf photographer yeah and a shit hot kneeboarder as well and um also but and really quirky like a real like kind of um uh, skunk not, works style of an inventor type of guy not peter crawford no uh, american he, guy american guy this big in the in the 70s is when he made his mark and I mentioned his name at some point in this podcast already. Damn, motherfucker. I am just sucking wind today, aren't I? Gee, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm like trying to think. It wouldn't be Merkel? Would it be Merkel? No, not Merkel. Uh, and not Ader. No. No. And if I think um, people, I think used to used to mistake him for uh, George Greeno because he would ride those kind of spoons. You know, it's mm. a bit bit like him actually in some ways. You know, I'm blowing it. I don't know. Um, it's uh, Dale Kobatech. Dale Kobatech. Yeah, they did a big article. Ben Marcus did a big article on him in Surfer's Journal um, a few years back. Definitely. I just found him. But that's it. Yes, not. This is someone who should be known for his contributions to to water photography and just like a full on character. Like you read, but you look at pictures of him. I'll send you the article. It's like, he's just like, dude, this guy's a character. But uh, the, the Brad Barrett one, I thought was just like, Oh man! <laughs> All right, let's try music again. Can you hear it? I hear it. Ah, oh, 
trying to, I had the whole musical <laughs> thing. Tyler, you know what you need music. to do? What you need yeah. to do is put it on the outro of this. I know. And, and then I will, I will listen to it. And then the I'll send episode. my response and everyone else out there, we can all send our responses right. in to, please go to our Instagram website. It, web, it's dreams. not an Instagram website. That's showing my age. <laughs> <laughs> Just get on the dial-up and go on the Instagram website. And go on the line. On the, the line. line. <laughs> well, we will. I will um, take us out on that song. And I so think for all of our listeners, um, you know, if you hear this song, let us know what surf movie it's from. Uh, I'm curious if you know. Uh, it's, a, it's an easy one for for some of us. You know, they, here's the thing, Jane. One day, I I I have questions that I know will stump you. But I ease off because I know your history of like the 98, late 80s, 90s, and 2000s a little bit more thin, like your head. And <laughs> one day they're going to see this live Get and they're going to see how ironic that is. That you just you thin. Well, no, my hair is not thin. It's just gone. <laughs> but we'll, we're going to exit with this song. And uh, if any of our listeners can can guess the movie, please just DM us or po- post it on the comment section on our Instagram at the Sunday Joint. And uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for Matt for joining us. Jamie, you uh, want to take us out on anything here? Well, I just want to, you know, just you know, please, if you're going to send any comments, let us know. Are these podcasts too long? Would you like them a little bit shorter? This one, we almost hit two hours, actually. I think of this. <laughs> Damn. My bad. Too much. But, but no, maybe maybe that's Let do people if you like want the it. long ones or do you like a slicker one? That's All right. we want inquiring minds wanna know. Our minds wanna know. Alright. Thank you all for listening. Uh this has been the Sunday joint and we'll check you on down the line. You more drugs and electric shock. I know you love me